Welcome into a game week edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I am Ryan Shumpert, joined as always by Ryan Cruz, the two co-sports editors here at the Daily Beacon. Finally game week, finally football. Saturday, Tennessee heads to Columbia, looking to get 1-0 against South Carolina. Ryan, what are your thoughts, kind of first thoughts of uh, being on game week? I mean, obviously excited for game week, uh, you know, start of the new season always uh, has everyone feeling good. Everyone feels great. Uh, you know, uh, everyone thinks, oh, this is their, their year. Uh, but again, you know, you know, great matchup to start off this season. South Carolina and Tennessee have had a lot of close games in recent years. And so looking forward to hopefully another close game to give the fans something good to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was seven straight years before last year the game was decided within a touchdown. Obviously, Tennessee won handedly last season. But we'll dive right into it. And what we were talking about before, still kind of the news to watch, Cade Mays, he gets cleared from the NCAA, but he still has to get past the SEC waivers. And he's not alone in that. That is also the case with Otis. I should have had his name pulled up. I think Otis Reed, a linebacker at Ole Miss who transferred from Georgia. And then the quarterback at Kentucky that transferred from Auburn too, Joey Gatewood. They're all kind of in the same spot right now. And Ryan, if you're Jeremy Pruitt, what are you doing this week? He still hasn't heard anything. If he's got him eligible, eligible, are you practicing him with the first team? Are you? What do you do? What do you do to plan for South Carolina when you don't know if one of your integral offensive linemen is going to be out there or not? Of course, South Carolina will also be without Jalen Brooks. He was an, yeah. another guy who got uh, his appeal denied from the NCA. So, you know, get on both sides of this week's matchup, although South Carolina – has the added benefit of they know for certain he will not be. So, with Tennessee, got that uncertainty there. He was – Cade Mays was not – from he would assume that Tennessee is acting as if though he is not, will not play. But today, Pruitt said that they are practicing as if Cade Mays will be ready to go. You know, weird situation. You know, you hope if you're Jeremy Pruitt and his staff that Cade can go. But, again, Tennessee has a very experienced offensive line. And so you just got to hope that the rest of the guys, if and when that Cade can't play, that they'll step up and, you know, fill that slot. Yeah, I think you have to applaud Jeremy Pruitt for how he's went across putting his message out there. He's obviously been very public in his support of Cade, but he hasn't really – he's put pressure on Greg Sankey, but he hasn't really been forceful in that. He's just kind of said, we expect him to do the right thing. He's done the right thing through all this process. And, you know, really saying it's all about the players. It's all about the players. That's been his message. And obviously, if it's all about the players, you you would think they would be made eligible. Obviously, that's kind of the idea that Pruitt's trying to put out there. What I think gets interesting about it is it seems from all – everything you hear, that the NCAA is going to pass the one-time free transfer rule in January. So you can transfer. You don't have to file any waiver to get eligible. And transfer one time, you're good to start the next season there. Now, the question is, obviously, does the SEC keep their rule intact where you have to get a waiver to transfer in conference? And I think that's going to be the question. Are you going to see consistency there? Because if you're going to give bad news to Jeremy Pruitt and Lane Kiffin and Mark Stoops this week, I think the thought's going to have to be that that's going to still be the rule in January when things get enacted. You're not just screwing us over per, you know, per se in the short term only to make the change in the long term, which only time will tell on that. Greg Sankey during his teleconference this morning was kind of deflective on the, the topic saying, 
if the rule the coaches want the rule change, they need to vote on the rule to change, kind of trying to put it out of his hands. So it'll be interesting to see when a decision comes down. That's what's more confusing to me, if anything. If you listen to Greg Sankey's comments today, I don't know what you thought, Ryan. It sounded to me like, you know, those guys aren't going to get eligible, but then he didn't say anything about a timetable, anything about when that would come out and what is the differentiating and why they make that decision. Because as Jeremy Pruitt said on Wednesday night, that no one has reached out to Cade Mays from the SEC. No one has talked to him. So it just seems confusing, confusing, I guess, as to what the plan going forward is for the SEC on transfers. Uh college football, especially in the SEC, you know, with more interest, you know, SEC's always said it just means more. And so as such, everything else gets amped up and transfers, you know, bit touchy subject here in college football, you know, it, it will be definitely interesting to see. Hopefully we get some clarification. That's best for everyone involved. But I really hope that, you know, Greg Sank, the SEC, and all the parties and stakeholders can really figure things out to get some – clarity for everyone involved yeah I think like you said you hit a nail on the head there at the end the clarity is the big the big thing and that's really what I think Greg Seki's done a real good job of through most of this process with corona but moving on I'll, I'll pose a question for you here give me uh, either a position group or a player on each side of the ball on Saturday that you'll be keeping an extra eye on or really be interested to see I mean obviously the the stereotypical thing is quarterback, especially on, on a team like Tennessee where they've had a lot of inconsistency there. Uh, but I love to see the running backs. You know, they've got a great offensive line in front of them. Uh, Eric Gray came, had a breakout year last year, especially those last two games. So to see him pick up that pace, you know, pick up from where he left off. And the Ty Chandler, you know, he's a senior. He's going to want to come out strong. So I think it will definitely be interesting to see there. And then on, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, defensive backs, so-called Pruitt especially, you know, they have a, they've had a lot of turnover back there. They lost uh, Nigel Warrior. So to see how they step up and how they fill that spot and, you know, solidify that back part of the defense could be very crucial for this coming season. Yeah, I like that safety answer a lot because they do have a lot of depth and experience in the secondary, but most of that's at corner. And you have a couple guys that have played some at safety, but no one that has played anywhere to the level that Nigel Warrior did down the stretch last season. And his play was so crucial in how Tennessee turned it around. I like that answer a lot. On offense, uh, I'm going to go – I'll go with the freshman receivers, I think. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about them. They weren't included in the two deep. No freshman was included in the two deep that Tennessee put out Tuesday. You know, I'm not sure how much I buy into that. You know, no, no true freshmen are in the too deep. But Pruitt said, you know, they're going to play everybody. Probably a little bit of exaggerations on, on both sides. But I do expect that you'll see a good amount of Jalen Hyatt in a stadium he played quite a bit in high school in a couple state championship games. I think his last football game there was he caught three touchdowns, uh, was in that South Carolina stadium, William Bryce, and then Malachi Whiteman, I think, will also probably be in that rotation I think it'll just be interesting to see how Jim Chaney uses them certainly you know I think that was kind of a theme people were pointing out earlier in fall camp is Jim Chaney back as Tennessee's offense coordinator 10 years later with a couple of talented freshman receivers that are going to have to play it'll be interesting to see how he uses them and on defense I'm I'm excited to look at the inside linebackers you know Henry Toto is 
going to be, you know, if he wasn't a star last year, he's going to be a star this year. He's going to be an all SEC guy, whether that's first or second team. And obviously there aren't a whole lot of question marks about him, but I will be interested to see. He's kind of changed his body, he's slimmed down and try to play the pass better and be a little bit more of a sideline to sideline back or linebacker. So I'll be interested to see him. And then both of the other guys that will be competing to play beside him, Quivaris Crouch, you know, just played a very little last season at inside linebacker, mostly played at outside linebacker, but he's kind of found that as his home, a former really big recruit and a really talented athletic guy. And then Jeremy Banks, I mean, he went from not being on the team this summer, this offseason, to being back on the team and a guy I expect to play quite a bit on Saturday. So he's a guy that's had some buzz this fall camp, and I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how he plays. Well, I, don't, I won't spoil. We'll have the, the preview out this Friday, and then we'll have kind of our picks and our keys to the game. So I won't get too much into the spoil. But, Ryan, what's, what's one key to the game, something that you think is going to be interesting to watch and, and important for Tennessee on Saturday night? I mean, obviously, quarterback play. You know, we've talked about the strong offensive line and running backs game for Tennessee. And, you know, that was definitely the weak spot for Tennessee last year. So, if you can – if if they can keep it together, not make mistakes, picks, fumbles, you know, work with those with those young receivers, you know, I think that's going to be key for them there. And then, you know, same thing on defense, not giving up the big plays. Because that's where Tennessee got killed in the BYU game, in the Georgia State game. That's what hurt them. Yeah, that's something they really ironed out well throughout the, you know, the rest of the season. I think they finished in the top two or three in the SEC and amount of plays given up over 20 yards. And you kind of saw that be a big thing in last year's game against South Carolina. South Carolina hit the 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. And then I don't think they had a play over 20 yards or maybe less than two or three plays the rest of the game over 20 yards. So I think that's a good one. And, you know, mine kind of goes – same way yours does with Garantano, but a little bit deeper. I think it's going to be how Tennessee can establish a run game. Can they do that? Last year, you know, Tennessee's offensive line, offensive line took a big step forward, but they still weren't great in run blocking. Tennessee averaged near the bottom of the league in yards per carry. They're not going to have the, the ability to really, at least early in the season, open up the run with the pass like I think they were last year with with Mark West Callaway and Juwan Jennings. So now you have new receivers with a quarterback that's been inconsistent. Yeah, I think that run game is going to be Garantano's best friend. I think you need to keep him in good situations. And if they're running the ball well, it's going to make his life a lot easier setting up play action and, and being able to get some easy stuff. And before, we're, before we finish, I'll pivot over to the South Carolina quarterback position. Obviously, Colin Hill and Ryan Holinsky were going to have an open competition, but – Ryan Holinsky played all basically all year after Jake Bentley got hurt in the first game last season as a true freshman was, you know, wasn't great, but flashed at times. And certainly a guy, I think I, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I, someone I expected would be the starter this year. What were your thoughts on Colin Hill getting that starting job? And what do you kind of expect to see from him Saturday night? I mean, obviously I think I, at first were, was a bit, surprised to see uh Hillenski lose that job we have to consider you know Mike Bobo coming in new offense they always say a new coach means it's a shot for everyone to prove 
and Colin Hill was coming in. He played for Mike Bobo at, I believe it was Colorado State. So he knows his offense. He is familiar with Coach Bobo. Uh, so I don't think you can discount that at all. Yeah, I think that's probably, you know, I don't want to speak somewhere that I don't know what every detail of, but I would think that's probably the biggest thing and why Colin Hill is starting. You bring in a new system, you bring in an offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, and then you have COVID, which is something we've talked about a lot on this podcast is how disadvantaged new head coaches are, how disadvantaged new coordinators are with implementing stuff when you didn't have a spring practice. And obviously it's been a problem at Tennessee with guys not being out there all the time. How do you build that chemistry and how much has Ryan Holinsky really been able to pick up of the offense? But, you know, Colin Hill obviously isn't a guy we've seen at South Carolina, but we have seen him at Colorado State. And he's had some injury problems, but in three years he's started. He's thrown for eight touchdowns, seven touchdowns, and eight touchdowns. And then two interceptions, seven interceptions, and two interceptions. So he's certainly not a guy that has lit the world on fire. 2018 was probably his best season when he threw for 1,300 yards. So he's certainly not a, a big star guy, but I think he's probably in that situation because he can get South Carolina in the best spots and the best plays and can make the right decisions. And I think that's going to be a big thing Saturday night. We know Jeremy Pruitt likes to blitz. You go, you look at Tennessee's outside linebackers. Obviously, they lost Daryl Taylor. They don't have a ton of proven pass rushers. And early in the season, I think Tennessee will kind of rely on those corners that have some experience to play man-on-man coverage with no help. I think they're going to bring a lot of blitzes Saturday night. I think they're really going to try to confuse Colin Hill, whereas I, mean, I think he may be better equipped to, to face that than Ryan Holinsky would. But certainly that's going to be a big thing to watch. If Colin Hill – needs to get South Carolina in the, in the right place because talent-wise, South Carolina's offense against Tennessee's defense, I think you have to give Tennessee the nod, especially with the receiver who was going to be one of their top guys being out. And then the, the freshman running back, he was expected to be at least a backup and, and play a lot also being out with injury. So something that'll be interesting to watch Saturday night for sure. Thank you guys for joining us this edition of the Checkerboard Chat. Continue to follow us this weekend. We'll have complete coverage. We'll have picks. We'll have preview for the South Carolina game. We'll have stuff on Jeremy Pruitt's Wednesday night press conferences. Last time he'll talk to the media before the game Saturday. And then Tennessee soccer looking to improve the one-and-one this weekend. They face a good Vanderbilt team who's coming off back-to-back SEC East championships. We'll have a preview of that game and complete coverage from Knoxville of that game. So thank you for joining us. You guys have a good weekend and be sure to tune in to utdailybeacon.com for all, all the coverage on Tennessee football and soccer.